Talk to an artist is part of 723 Ministries at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. To support our continued work in West Dallas, text LLUMC to 77977 and designate the funds as 723 Ministries. Thank you for helping us continue this important work. Welcome to Talk to an Artist, um, our show where I get the awesome opportunity to interview artists who have participated in our art partner with Art Stillery um, and our cultivation at 723. I am Macy Lipcoy, I'm the pastor of 723. And this week I get the awesome, awesome opportunity to interview Morgana Wilburn. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> so good to have you. Thank you for allowing me to be in this space with you. I'm really, really excited for this. <laughs> yeah, so Morgana has participated in art cultivation. Um, you often see her behind the bar pouring drinks, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but more recently in our space at 723 has been performing in uh, Generations of Adam, which was our show, or our story show that premiered last October and was just so powerful and incredible and amazing. So. If we haven't gotten a chance to really see you out there doing your stuff, why don't you take just a little bit of time to tell us about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am a Dallas, Texas native. I'm one of those people who <laughs> never left. I'll travel everywhere, but I love my city so much. Um, by day, when I'm not uh, working with the art distillery crew, literally had a meeting this morning with uh, the founder, Ilkner Oskar, and we met with the DMA, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, I am the director of education at the Dallas Theater Center. And I also uh, am a photographer. I have my own company called Photo Noir. And I've had that since 2008. I used to be a teacher in Dallas ISD, uh, education, community engagement, um, and the arts are my passion. I uh, love it so much. That's what drives my mission and purpose in life. Uh, and yeah, other than that, I'm getting into directing and I am, I guess I act professionally sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think you act professionally a lot of the time, like you're crushing it. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's like, it's great. And I'm so happy that Art Stillery is my new creative home. Um, I, I remember meeting Ilkner at an event uh, for women in theater. It was in Deep Ellum. And I was like, who is this woman? She needs to be my friend. And the first thing, what's so funny, we had a moment, and I know you're asking me about myself, but we had a moment. <laughs> she's, she's my sister, so I love her. Um, where she, I asked her, like, you know, what do you do? And she explained Art Stillery, and she's like, I'm in the business of making sure people have space to work and create. And um, so if you want to know more about that, here's my card. Fast forward to like, I have, you know, keys to go into 723 and create and be a core member. And I had to remind her, I was like, do you remember when you said, and she was like, what? And so like, it's kind of crazy to um, be able to share this space with you all. And to be a team member in this. And first I was just a fangirl of Art Stillery and everything Ilkner presents. And, you know, she is such a major reflection for me and a wonderful leader. And so I'm so happy to be working with my friend and my sister 
and being a part of art stillery through plays like Generations of Adam and all the things to come and come back. <laughs> That's so cool. I know I always, every time I like think about what art stillery does, I'm just like so thankful that we ended up finding that partnership and like all the people that have come through and have been part of this, like every time I meet someone who's like, oh, I'm also part of art stillery, I know they're going to be like an incredible human being. So mm -hmm. it's so cool. Um, so you said you're Dallas native, you grew up here, which same, really excited. Yeah. Um, so when did you kind of get your start in theater and performance and art and really kind of, it, was there a moment or a story that you can think of where you had this uh, kind of lightning strike moment of, oh, I love this and I want to do this more and more and more? Um, I've like, I think my mom was very, she was just awesome in like bringing the arts and bringing arts from around the world into my life mm -hmm. and just making sure that we were enriched in every way possible. Um, and so like I was in plays, you know, I just saw a picture when I was at church doing sign language for the choir and stuff like that. So I was always encouraged um, to perform to be out front, to tell my story, like whether she encouraged me to write stories or, you know, just play pretend. That was all part of my life. When I got into high school, what's funny is like, uh, I wanted to go into computer science. <laughs> I went to the science and engineering magnet and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be an engineer. And then I got into one act play, um, like many of us do in Texas. And um, <laughs> love that UIL one act. Hello. And so I got into that. But what was odd is like my senior year, we had a sponsor, but she knew nothing about theater. And I directed my first play, which is very illegal for like a young person to direct their uh, UIL play. But it was under her guise, you know, this is so inappropriate. Now that I think about it, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. yeah. 20 something years later. So <laughs> I directed my first play and we won regionals. And I was like, wow. And I got us all Letterman jackets. It was like a whole thing. And I was like, this is what I'm doing. I had to break the message to my mom. Say, mommy, I'm not being an engineer. I'm going to school for theater. And she cried and then she accepted it. <laughs> I went, you know, off uh, to UNT for my undergrad. And that's where I got pulled into wanting to do more about community. Um, I became part of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority and it was very community based, uh, very about supporting the black community. Uh, also doing more community engagement work in different ways, different organizations. Um, and after that, I'm like, there's more to just being on stage. And during that time, like, UNT theater was very much about like certain people and things like that. It was hard to break in. Um, and I was like, something's calling me to do different. And that's where education and engagement came in. And the chair of the theater, uh, Dr. Garcia, he led me into that route and I became a teacher. And my greater purpose was to create arts in our community. And, you know, I just kept going with that. I got my master's at University of Houston which took me all over, uh, you know, United States and to London to study and learn about building community through theater and being a leader in that. And I'm so thankful for that because now it's brought me here where I'm doing more community work outside the classroom 
working as a director of education, working with, so I just left teaching a class at Caramia Theater um, for School of Yes, and I just feel so happy to have so many arts homes. Um, and I'm so, I, I, it's just unbelievable that it started like with the simple nurturing from my mother, like reading books and watching films and seeing live shows and then it comes to like me directing my own and you know she's just like wow i can't believe but i i feel so i am so blessed and i'm so lucky that that has been my experience um yeah oh, i love that i mean like i feel such a kindred moment with the one act play thing because like that's like the texas like quintessential young actor experience exactly exactly um i was Actually, like, uh, talking to, I met a playwright from Carrollton who's actually wrote a play on the experience. And really? it's a way for this show, whenever it gets produced, to be produced, because people will feel seen. <laughs> yep, yep. There's something about, like, that, like, kind of, like, almost too hormonal, like, theater kid, kind of, like, a little bit crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so funny. Like, to come from being a theater kid to leading other theater kids, and it's just... It's miraculous. It's a it's an energy unlike any other. I wish there was a TV oh, show about it. <laughs> oh yeah, no theater kids are their own special. There was a I think I saw a meme, and this is totally off topic, but there was a meme that was like, I don't want coffee. I want whatever theater kids had that made them act like that at eight in the morning. And I was like, man, it's just pure energy. Like, I, I almost didn't graduate because I would skip my health class to go plan one act play and go build and go get like I I almost did not graduate high school <laughs> I mean it's it's an all-encompassing thing for sure yeah so um it's just kind of talking about the theater experience and you know what it's like to be in that world um what has been the most challenging uh thing that you've experienced with either live theater or the theater as the business or whatever side of it I know you know you've been very experienced and very accomplished and so have a lot of experience with this so I think one of the hardest is like number one right now <laughs> Just yeah in the COVID crisis because um right pandemic we are not gonna make this a crisis <laughs> no, we're gonna yes um but yeah being in the pandemic like live theater is meant to be live and you know people are there's a loss in jobs there's um, a loss of like collective identity. Who are we trying to hold on to elements of who we are? People who made conscious choices to become professional actors and have to, you know, have, uh, they have agreement with equity and things like that and they're not able to work, you know? They have to find other pursuits um, or like if they're so happen to have been able to be on film or any other creative endeavor. That's hard. It's hard because we can't produce and create. Um, it's unsafe. Uh, it's like everyone is trying the best that they can, you know, even in teaching theater. I'm literally hearing some of the concerns, you know, coming out of our teacher meeting for Caramia and like student focus and things like that. So I can imagine, you know, I'm a professor at the community college where. Uh, at uh in the dallas colleges at el centro and eastfield and it's hard to um you know get people focused you know it's 
kind of even better because they don't have to travel, but also bad because they are dealing with their own um, like boundaries in terms of checking in with their mental health and things like that. So we're all grappling with all of those things in the absence of live theater. Mm. At the same time, there's a cultural awakening towards um, sensitivity and just showing up for BIPOC lives and stories. And like, are people of color being paid as much as other white leaders, you know? Are their stories being told? Um, are they being respected in institutions? And we're having hard conversations at uh, Dallas Theater Center right now about that, uh, where it's like, who gets to be heard and speak their truth without retaliation and things like that um, under old white supremacist structures. And like, it's taking a lot of dismantling, it's taking a lot of work, um, but it will move towards something better. And, um, those have been the biggest challenges, uh, even, you know, coming out of the Me Too me movement. Yeah. What did that mean for women, uh, you know, white men in power? What did that mean for the stories untold for women of color? Uh, because they, you know, did not get to fully lead the movement in that, right? Uh, silent voices in the movement, with the exception of who was chosen to lead. And so these are all, like, things that have been how does live theater come into an age where everyone is seen, everyone is heard, uh, leads, you know, makes the same amount of money, feels respected, um, where we go into communities because we want to, because we are needed, because we feel sh we want to share and not because we need to check off a list, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's been also the hard part because, you know, coming out of education, like I was at predominantly like black and Latinx school, you know? So like, this has been new to come into this arena for me. And like every given institution has their own problems. We already know that educators don't get paid enough. I know that and the children don't get as much as they're supporting certain things as they do others. So, um, and live theater, theater institutions, that's, that's the same thing. Uh, so the one good silver lining about this COVID pandemic is that we are forced to sit in these boxes and rectangles, look at each other and have these hard conversations. And I say, well, I have to go off to go build this and do that and worry about my own self-interest. I have to make sure to be mindful and compassionate of the other. And I need to be an activist and make sure the other is heard and seen and has a place at the table. I love that you just said that because that absolutely sums up like what I hope 723 will become. Like right. we literally talk about, you know, our little small group, the table. And the whole premise is when you pull up a chair, cause you know, you, I'm sure you've experienced the idea that like you sat at a table with a chair and then like, a token voice but not been heard yeah you know and so instead of just saying oh you have a seat at this table which that's great and all but if I'm not being listened to mm. I'd rather walk away yeah and so here it's you have a seat and your story will be told and that's that important and right on right on. I love that see I knew we were on the same wavelength about things <laughs> yes so um you know you're talking about the COVID crisis and the fact that this is a really weird time to be 
in theater, my Siri keeps going on. It's super annoying. No, I, you don't, I don't need your help. <laughs> She's like, hello. Yes. Every time. <laughs> She's always like, hey, do you need me? And I'm like, I literally have never once asked for you. Never once. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> we're talking about, you know, COVID and stuff like that. And so I've been reflecting on a lot of kind of past experiences of, oh man, I miss this or I love this or whatever. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that kind of nostalgia. Um, so is there kind of a nostalgic memory of your favorite performance, favorite show that you've ever been in that you are reflecting on and saying like, wow, that was really incredible or really impactful or that you look back on, especially now this time of cultural change that you thought like, wow, that really made a difference in someone's life. Yeah, I think um, two experiences back to back mm -hmm. from, because I was introduced to art stillery as being a part of it like through generations of Adam. And there was just, there was a lot of difficult things because I'm like, this is a new form of theater, you know, really progressive theater. And I also got to work in the morning and it's different. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had to get in a tub each and every night. <laughs> it was probably like, I'm so tired of you talking about how you had to get in the tub every night. That was incredible though. They're like you literally there was water in the tub. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> in a tub of water during winter each and every night in a warehouse and lighting incense and being at peace <laughs> it was it was miraculous but during that time it helped a lot for me in like how do I speak up how do I share space how do I learn and back up um, because I was entering a space um, that was unfamiliar and so just learning new community, I miss that. I miss like coming into a space and just experiment. People get to debate and then release that. And it's not like turning off a screen. It's literally like you're in that space still. And it's like, we just had a disagreement. How are we gonna heal from this? And it's like <laughs> sharing space, like I miss that kind of stuff or the act of discovery just with bodies in the space. Uh, we had so many wonderful transformative healing events. I miss that, you know. I miss showing up to rehearsal, showing up to a performance, showing up for people. Like, I miss that. Um, I miss, like, the power of the audience and the thing in the way they said, I saw my story, I see you, and sharing tears, sharing laughter, sharing jokes in a space together, sharing food in a space together. Um, sharing like new ideas and late nights, like as a collective, like I miss it. I miss it so much. Mm -hmm. um, going into that, like I was able to direct my first play at Bishop Arts Theater Center. And that was miraculous. Like mm -hmm. being able to lead, you know, in a different way, like coming out of the space of the collective, hearing all the things Art Stillery taught me about letting go of ego, uh, being part of a community, having individual voices for a, to create and cultivate a shared experience, and then going into a traditional theater space and like bringing offerings where I'm like, y'all, we don't have to work like that. The director just, it's not the end all be all. You don't have to feel like you can't share how you feel. Like bringing all that to facilitate and shepherd a work of art with artists who wrote from New York and came down to work with us, working with my friends to share um, 
unique uh, trans non-binary point of views, LGBTQ uh, point of views, black women's point of views, and especially like three-person play, you know, about uh, American history, you know, an interracial marriage. Like, I miss it. I miss like making history. I miss making family in real life and uh, learning and teaching and guiding like in real life, you know. URL is great, but IRL is what I miss, you know. And so I miss, <laughs> I miss all of that. Um, and those two experiences, I can't imagine a world where I went into COVID quarantine without those two experiences. Like, I'm like, wow, I got to do that before I was quarantined. I got to be a part of this huge production about healing trauma before I was quarantined. I got to be a part of this huge play that I helped direct in my community where I live up the street from the theater, where I live down the street, down the way from 723. Like, what? <laughs> and like creating theater pretty much in my backyard is what it feels like. Um, I miss that so much. And I'm so happy that for just a little bit, I got to experience that before I go into a new normal. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's the most important takeaway across the board from this experience is, um, you know, I'd wondered up until this point, would digital life ever kind of take over, you know, real in life community, would it ever be a point where people prefer to be online than in person? And I think that the fact is like, we've proven like, no, like nothing replaces that in-person connection, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. So true. It's, ah, yes, <laughs> to the yearning to want to feel disconnected um, uh, from like the screen. And when I catch myself, I'm like, get off of the screen. You've been on the big one for like, ah, a long time. And so I can't, that's going to also be a hard part is us disassociating that in many ways just to show up. So it's all, it's all powerful. It's all crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be crazy. I, I will say it's been comforting to realize like humanity still wants to be in person, which I really like have appreciated that realization. Like we aren't just screen creatures, you know, so, <laughs> so real, so it makes real. a huge difference. Um, so while we're all kind of trapped in our houses and looking at screens, you know, I'm, I find myself on Instagram, like looking at people who live like in New Mexico and I'm like, uh, I'm, I want to go outside. Like <laughs> I want to like go to like beautiful places and like find inspiration in nature and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I've kind of talked to a lot of people about how finding inspiration right now is really rough and a really tough game to play and not easy at all and so is there kind of an inspiration well that you turn to when you've run dry where you can find you know find peace or find um new creativity or newfound passion during this time the main thing that i'm so grateful for and he shows up in any given interview and moment that i have are walks with my dog merlin <laughs> i think he's becoming a big star now he's there's no way not to break him up but going on simple walks with him I took him on his first vacay to uh just Austin and like we just went for like walks and just seeing him play in the backyard um 
just running around, just watching him sleep right now. He's so cute. Uh, just going outside with him, he gives me a reason to go outside, um, to take a walk, to have wellness, to go like to a secluded dog park or go on a trail. Like if it weren't for him, I probably would just be in my regular hustle and bustle of projects and work and just sitting down like this, like, <laughs> you know, if I did, just like real still and just like, I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. And he gets me up, like literally. So he's part of my like well of inspiration and energy. Um, I have like, uh, also just like friends. I have a healing circle of friends that I meet with uh, every Wednesday. <laughs> and that's been great because uh, people share their stories, um, and uh, we meet, like, virtually, of course, but, and we have, like, a chat on Instagram, but we just share videos and stories, and, like, I pull, like, oracle cards for them and tarot cards, and, like, we just talk and share that kind of fun energy as women. Um, I'm with, like, any given friend bouncing off ideas. Like, I, there's no way I can't sit with my friend Ilkner and new ideas aren't created. Uh, so she's a whale, you know, for me, like she's the one who got me and Merlin out of the house and into Austin and created a nice social distance space for me to get away on a vacation. I love that. She's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, it, like I am thankful for women like her um, I have other, like, a lo I have a lot of, a, a lot of my will is women. Um, female relationships are my energy. Whenever my mom comes and stays for the weekend, she's my will of beautiful energy. And we can have honest conversations and talk about topics like, you know, and shared space as grown women. Um, she's that will. Um, girlfriends that um, or all around and we're like, we're going to watch, you know, this TV show together on this date or have a happy hour and laugh at our pain. <laughs> you know, they are part of my will. Um, some of my friend coworkers that uh, I have got to social distance or meet up with um, and we just laugh over hamburgers or tacos or our dogs. They are my will. Um, all of the great books that friends like share. Uh, all of that is nourishing my plants. <laughs> my new plants have been nourishment. Like, um, it's just been little things like that between women, dogs, and like weird um, esoteric inspiration, uh, angels. All of that has been my will of inspiration and creating. Um, and that's kind of what I relish in a lot. I love that. I love that it's connection that inspires you. Like that's, mm -hmm. I think, incredible. Because I think people think like to find a creativity, you have to be like isolated and alone and like light candles and stuff. And that's so like across the board, everyone I've asked this question to, they've said people. Yeah. And that's so cool. Like everyone says human connection inspires them. Oh, yes. Like there's no way. Half of the time I'm with someone, I'm like, I need to write that down. Or like when I'm with friends, they're like, the stuff that comes out of your mouth, Mo, I need to write that down. That's what's beautiful. Like, I have a friend, we do tea and tarot. She's a filmmaker in Dallas. And we have such inspiration, like, 
whether we social distance and like read our tarot cards and like bounce back and forth quotes or like films we've watched or like just real silly like you know uh pop culture like all of that feeds like inspiration and imagery and things to help me create there's no way that i could do that by myself you know um these people are my wealth of knowledge and beauty and i love all of the intricacies of that to help inspire me that's awesome i love that um, so you said that you, you know, books that people recommend that have been inspiring to you. So I asked this question to everybody because I think it's interesting to find out. Um, is there a book or film? My Siri again. <laughs> She's like, I'll look that up for you. She's like, I got you. Um, <laughs> um, if you could recommend one book or film to read or watch during the stay at home order, what would be that recommendation and why would you? say everyone should read or watch this? So one thing that I'm really tapping into that I love, um, and a lot of my friends have uh, read or either read the book or they're venturing into it or heard podcasts, but this book called My Grandmother's Hands. And it's about racialized trauma and the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies. Um, and it's by Resma Menachem, and it's so beautiful because it looks back at uh, racialized trauma. And it also looks like at like, when we look, think of the police, when we think of people who are supposed to be peacekeepers, right? What has went wrong in the alignment of peace within their bodies or the misalignment with peace in their bodies and mindfulness in their bodies, where instead of enacting harm on others and trauma on other bodies and countless lives lost, what could have changed in the mindfulness and meditation and simple breathing that could have changed those moments? And there's wonderful meditations for like police, for people of color, for anybody in this book to gain insight. And uh, just, you know, looking at history and looking how trauma has gone into our bodies. Um, and how like we we carry these blood memories and these trauma memories of our ancestors and we carry you know internalized racism we carry like these uh white supremacist structures passed down right and how like you know dismantling all that um through new knowledge and through control of our body and decolonization of our body mm -hmm. and our space mm -hmm. and how we see the world so um, yeah, I've been doing meditations through that and sharing it with friends who are having some anxiety during this time. Um, but I think it's such a nice encompassed book for like looking at racialized trauma during a pandemic and quarantine, <laughs> you know. Uh, and you know, and a lot of our community members are showing up for the revolution, protesting and things like that. So self-care for the activists, self-care, for peacekeepers, for the attendees, for those who are at home who uh, want to get but can't. And it's just, you know, just, it's, it's beautiful work um, and looking at like uh, ourselves, looking at whiteness, looking at uh, racism and all that. It's, it's beautiful how it breaks it down, but also provides ways of, to heal. 
um, which is what like I'm always about. You know, we can have these conversations. Where are we moving towards action and transformative healing? Um, which I, I hope that we can continue to go into in any given space that we're in, which is what I'm happy about with art stillery because like that's that's what we want, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible book. I'm gonna recommend it to some people. And if you're listening, please read it because I think the importance of acknowledging like the her like the heritage trauma, the trauma of heritage, you know, like that you inherit that, and um, and the way it's been ignored, like the because not to dog on my parents, but you know, I've had a lot of conversations with my folks, and it's that like mentality of like, oh, just move on. I'm like, no, no there's no just move on there's reconciliation and healing and you know transformation needs to happen because even if it didn't happen to you like that's part of your shared memory you know yeah and it's like and even if I think about like if I look at you know my black elders or any of our POC elders who have internalized a lot of this for many of them and they're just like I want to live my life you know but even in just saying that phrase there's trauma because like at some point you didn't get to fully like yeah. live life or move like what you're saying and just move on you know <laughs> like yeah there's something that was in the way you know there's yeah. something unhealed about that mm-hmm. um so it's it's so interesting to see where we are now where um so many of us in our generation and younger are driving us to like keep moving and standing up and use our voice. And then it's like, how can we do that with also nourishing our bodies and nourishing our souls? Yeah, yeah I, I 100% think that's absolutely essential. And, you know, I've read a lot of stuff and I think one of the important quotes that's come up the past couple of weeks was um, the fact that, you know, in Germany, they acknowledge their, you know, Nazi history and their anti-Semitic history. And they've um, work to really, I, I lived there for a while and I've worked to really not only like move on from it, but like say we did wrong. We are healing from this. We are doing something different. And where America hasn't reached that point of acknowledging where we've done wrong. In any way, yeah. form or fashion. And it yeah. starts even like, <clears throat> that's one of the movements that, you know, I'm trying to make as a leader in the institutions that yeah. I am present in. It's like, you know, we got to speak up where we went wrong, mm-hmm. where we hurt people. Because if you don't speak up, you're still holding on to control, white supremacy, mm-hmm. and racism. You got to, if you just simply say, this is where I went wrong, you know, once people can, because um, every time I go into these discussions, I'm like, the worst you can do is fire me. I always say this. <laughs> and like, I want like other leaders to think, the worst that could happen is I'm asked to leave or step down. Just saying those phrases, dismantling and letting, releasing that control in order to release your voice, in order to show up authentically, means the most. And we need that from specifically white leaders and especially white male leaders in power, yeah. like is to say, we did this wrong. This is, and specifically the, like these things, you know? Um, and not just like, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna try to do better. I'm yeah. looking for my life, you know? And it's like, well, what'd you do? What do you gotta look back on, you know? Um, so being aware, speaking our truth, um, because like, man, I'm in these spaces with these young people who speak their truths 
and there's elders who can't do it. Mm. And that's a problem. We have to be, because someday we will pass on, you know, at any given age, as we can see. So who does it hurt to release power? Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's so, girl, I might get you to come preach at some point. Get ready. <laughs> you got you got truth to spill and uh, I got a platform for you. So let's, let's make this happen. Take a seat at the table though, anytime. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as we wrap up and come to the conclusion, I ask this question of everyone who participates in this um, interview kind of show thing that I do. And the question is, and I think it's so important and so interesting um, to hear everyone's voice. Um, the question is, if you could broadcast one sentence or two sentences to the whole world um, and everyone would really like soak it in, not just like hanging on a billboard and people see it, but don't accept it. Like really, truly, it would kind of soak into their soul and like really make a difference in their life. What would be that message? Ooh. I know. I was thinking about that one and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for that one, Pastor Mason. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready. You got this. Ooh. Um, there's a few, but I'm going to settle on one. I feel real emotional thinking about this. Like, I don't know why, but... <laughs> um, when... When we truly... decolonize and dismantle our way of living um, that only serves us or one group. We support everyone, spirit and being. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I'm not going to say anything else. That was beautiful. That was like, bravo, bravo, bravo. I'm going to put that on my inspiration board. I'm going to make a board of everyone's like one message. And that's going to be like the biggest one on top. Cause I love that. Get out of here. Beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to participate in this web series and to have conversation with me I really appreciate it. I appreciate you kind of showing your soul and being vulnerable like it's a beautiful thing to be able to see someone like get yeah. to here thank you so much for making a space for me to be heard and be seen know that I see you and I hear you and I love sharing space with you Macy like thank you for just welcoming us into your space shared space at 723 to create in every given way. Um, and I hope we can continue to do so, showing up for each other um, and just create spaces for healing and storytelling, whatever that looks like, and for people to flourish creatively. So I hope we can continue to do that and be partners with that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this space. Yeah, absolutely. That's we are 100%. We are going to do that. It's not a hope, it's happening. Love it. Love it.